0: Hello and welcome to the Gentleman's Journal podcast, a fortnightly discussion all about success, modern business and the lives of entrepreneurs. I'm Joe Bullmore. I'll be your host for the day. And I'm joined today in the lovely circus room at Mark's Club by Johan Erbel and Clemens Berninger. Johan and Clemens run the drugstore, the UK's foremost and finest seller of CBD, a cannabis extract that's being applied as we speak in all sorts of medical fields. And if you don't really know what CBD is, and I didn't when I started this episode, you will soon. It's one of the fastest growing sectors in the world of health and wellness. The industry is predicted to be worth around 20 billion by 2024. And we'll all have a nice little chemistry lesson before the day is out. For two young guys, Johan and Clemens are annoyingly switched on and connected. And their ideas around startups and business are applicable to anyone interested in the field. But before we start this episode, I'd love to tell you very briefly about The Clubhouse, a new kind of private members club brought to you by Gentleman's Journal. Clubhouse members get four issues of Gentleman's Journal magazine delivered straight to their door across the year, full of all those invaluable insights from the world of entrepreneurship, style and culture that you'd hope for, as well as, of course, some exclusive deals with a range of partner brands, restaurants and hotels, not to mention invitations to some very exciting events across the year. In fact, if you're a podcast listener, which you obviously are, you now get 20% off your annual Clubhouse membership, meaning you get the full Gentleman's Journal experience in full colour for just £56 a year, which sounds a bit like a bargain to me. To get that, just enter the code POD20, that's pod 2 at thegentlemansjournal.com slash club. That's POD20 at thegentlemansjournal.com slash club. Enjoy.
1: Johan and Clemens, thanks very much for joining us on the Gentleman's Journal podcast. So we're here to talk about the drugstore, which is your online store and soon-to-be physical shop, Um, and you guys sell CBD, but what is CBD? What does it stand for, for one?
2: So CBD stands for cannabidiol. CBD is one of many, many active ingredients in the cannabis and hemp plant, so it varies a little bit, but most people say there are over 100 different active ingredients, the most well-known is called THC, which is the one that gets you high and the, okay. they have the, the psychotropic or the intoxicating effects. And um, CBD is the other, more common. So we call this category of active ingredients we call cannabinoids. Mm-hmm. Um, and CBD is also a cannabinoid um, that have been, you know, suggested to be used for many different things and how it interacts with something we call the endocannabinoid system. So in our bodies. We actually produce our own cannabinoids, called endocannabinoids.
1: Okay, wow, science lesson, yeah. really. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> so it's part of our central nervous system. We have sure. something called the endocannabinoid system, and it regulates a whole bunch of functions in our body, so temperature, um, pain management, sleep-wake cycles, all kinds of things.
1: I don't know if you have anything more to add on this CBD <laughs> yeah, science I mean, lesson. I- it's
3: it's a little bit of a, a buzzword at the moment, yeah. as you as you might have heard. Wh- why am I hearing mm-hmm. it
1: now more than say three years ago?
3: Um, I mean, there's there's a v- whole series of factors that play into it. Um, it's been yeah trending, I would say, in North America, mainly the U.S. Um, and Canada, also due to their cannabis um, legalizations mm. in wider formats. Um, but I guess generally with a more health aware society um, and yeah word of these potential benefits um, people seem to flock towards it and I guess there's a little bit of a demystification yeah. and an interest in cannabis derived health products um, and yeah due to the legal status that we now have in Europe um, we can start bringing over these products
1: yeah and what are the kind of misconceptions when you tell people at a dinner party I own something called the drugstore mm. they must think your drug dealers essentially I mean
2: yes exactly uh, I mean our background I've, I've been working for several years in, in the medical cannabis industry um, so it was obviously people started to get used to it and actually coming from the medical side of things where products also have THC so the intoxicating mm. effects you know suddenly you're in something that's more in the uh, a health and wellness space so I think, generally speaking now, most people understand it because they've seen seen CBD in many cafes, they see it all over the place, facial treatments and such. Um, But again, there is still a certain level of skepticism. Some people are like, is this just snake oil? Is there any real science behind it? Is this legal? Is this cannabis? Um, And you know, I think it's a lot about about education and we work very hard on that. a lot of things are changing at the moment so I think we're in a quite good space uh, and obviously the vast majority actually you know they are quite encouraged about it and, mm-hmm. and want to learn more yeah can you say so
3: yeah I mean I think generally of course the name the drugstore yeah. is, is a little polarizing but I mean for us it was always around um, you know having a name that's relatively straightforward and people tend to remember which has has been working so far and I think generally when you know when I tell people I work in the cannabis space in one form or another <laughs> um, the, the reactions are a lot more positive than one would think I mean we're, we're at a stage where um, products are being freed from a certain stigma more or less people are starting to understand that you know not all forms of cannabis or cannabinoids mm. um, mean that you're super slow and you want pizza and you're gonna <laughs> sit in the basement wasting <laughs> your life away yeah of course. Um, because yeah in reality you know there's a lot to learn and a lot to discover
1: fine so if I was when I was in New York a few months ago in every corner shop you could buy a mm. CBD gummy or something like that I didn't take them because I was slightly scared that I something would happen to me but if I was to take one now just for a record of this podcast what I feel the effect what would happen to me
2: I mean most people uh, would say that they get it feel more relaxed and um, and it obviously very much depend on how much you're taking you there will never ever be like a psychotropic effect so it, THC have that kind of intoxicating effect okay. uh, where you can you know again as Clement said you know feel high you get the munchies or all <laughs> those kind of things um, with CBD it's much more subtle um, and that's also why I mean coming from the medical side of things actually the reason why I also started gravitating towards the CBD market was that I saw that even when people had the option to buy products on prescription, uh, buy products and strain varieties or variety of a cannabis where there was a larger amount of CBD compared to THC, um, people tend to gravitate towards CBD because people don't necessarily want to get high if they're using it for a certain ailment mm. or certain you know wellness or something like that. They obviously want some other benefits that course, yeah. could be... Uh, been suggested um, so I just saw that you know even when people had the option to buy THC products they actually started gravitating more Fun. and more towards CBD okay. um, because it's more subtle and you don't get that high
1: good okay so what about you as a businessman then what, was this your first business you set up or do you have histories with so other things
3: I mean to a to certain it's definitely the first business we've set up together yeah. Yeah. Um, and I would say the first business for both of us with the same sort of ambition I mean like my I guess my first venture into starting a business of my own I, I ran a bar out I, I owned a bar with friends as a student okay. which we kind of ran next to university and um, but of course something like that is, is completely different to starting e-commerce and hiring lots of people into yeah. to try and build a, mm-hmm. um yeah and, and scale a, a serious business but I think even small steps um, in the direction of running a company no matter and, and it's something I always say to people that are looking at starting something it's just start something and realize that you know you can make money with your own business and Mm. you're you're not gonna you know suddenly fail necessarily Um, and it's just
1: about building confidence but yeah I mean yeah it's
3: definitely the first business with the scale and
1: ambitions that we have and yeah you said you worked in the legal cannabis business before
2: yeah so the on the medical side so I together with uh, two Other partners in Denmark. So basically, the Danish government a few years back they were looking to legalize medicinal cannabis. So you know it's very much a pharmaceutical business and pharmaceutical side of things. Uh, And then we saw that there was a big opportunity, but it would not be able something that we could do on uh, by ourselves. And so uh, we entered a joint venture with a big Canadian cannabis company called Canopy Growth. Um, And with the aim to obtain a production license, or cultivation license in Denmark and distribution in a number Mm -hmm. of other countries. So me personally, I focused primarily on working on the legalization process uh, in many other countries. So lived uh, six months or something like that in Greece, worked with the government there. And it was an amazing experience to learn that, you know, even though I came as a very young guy, as soon as I started talking about cannabis, Within a few months, I had a meeting with the prime minister oh, wow. or something like that, with and got that really uh, close relationship with them. Actually, obviously, one thing it was Greece it would probably not happen in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> Two, uh, you came with something that very few people could actually talk about and had the experience because we would just been through it in Denmark. So you know, I went to many different countries, worked with the governments there, and was learned a lot about you know being by yourself and just being proactive. Uh, And you know nothing would ever happen in a certain country if you didn't go there and spend the time actually there. And and then yeah, I I, I reached out to Clemens when you know we started talking about his would there be an opportunity to start something uh, in the CBD market? And yeah, and we didn't really know what we were gonna start.
1: Fine. Did you were you friends before that? Yeah,
2: so we did our masters together at Imperial, um, where we also studied innovation and entrepreneurship and stuff like that.
3: But
1: yeah, I mean, kind of,
3: we we both gone separate ways and yep. different in different industries than cannabis after university. And at some point, I'd heard that that Johan had moved into this industry that we'd both always kind of looked at and, and you know s- seen a certain um, development in and, and had a certain excitement for. Um, and then you know when he reached out to me, I, I w- was relatively quickly convinced that mm. you know it could be an exciting opportunity and. That's when we really started to look into the market and um, saw massive potential, especially in Europe, because comparing Europe to the US, it was years behind, Mm -hmm. not only in the types of products that were being sold, but also the way they were being sold. And for us, especially kind of with the medical and and prescription market cannabis background, um, there was a certain set of um, rules or, or ethical standards that we were used to in the cannabis space that we weren't seeing in the CBD space especially in Europe so for us it was all about moving into that space and doing it right in our opinion yeah. you know not taking advantage of people or making claims that are completely ludicrous of course. Um, and trying to you know make a quick buck while you can for us yeah. it was always about you know being the trusted um, person and in business in in yeah
1: the cannabis industry and why did you decide London was the place to, to kick it off
2: so we we both lived here yeah. um, and you know it's it's a great space for you know finding the best people uh, again also being trustworthy uh, you know having also a physical presence in mm. in one of the most like well-known cities in the world it's important for something where you also want to legitimize it Um. so with our pop-ups, with our new soon-to-come physical shops. Um, it's all about validating the business and showing we're not trying to hide in some dingy basement. Yeah. Uh, it is about you know being on the high street and showing that we're here and you, know, you can trust
1: us. Yeah, and so when you were setting it up, did you go looking for money? Were there any kind of stumbling blocks you came across when you were talking about drugs, essentially, and trying to get people to fund you?
2: Um, well i think you know generally with different partners it has been quite positive and i would say uh, we are probably approached on a weekly basis by people who are looking for to invest in this oh, wow. industry because everybody knows it's really a hot topic they everybody wants to invest in in the cbd in the cannabis space so if you look at many of the listed companies in in the us and canada you know they're trading at multiples you know, completely through the roof right mm-hmm. and and um have also you know a lot of people have earned a lot of money right canopy growth for example I think when we first met them they were at eight Canadian dollars share price and then yeah they, they fluctuate quite a lot but I think like a few months ago they were 70 wow. something right okay um, which is in two years time and uh, not even yeah yeah i think it's,
3: it's and almost, everybody dreams about that kind of
1: yeah, they're <laughs> journey the same right
3: it's almost the other way around i mean for us it's you know while we want to grow a business and mm-hmm. we want to scale our business um for us it's always been about finding the right partners um and never about you know taking someone's money just because they want to make a quick buck um but yeah of course i mean as two young guys started a company what <laughs> launched a company a year less than a year ago yeah um, you know having to turn money away this um, is it not a bad position to be in of course um, but yeah I mean there's there's always people that when you tell them what you do they're hesitant mm-hmm. or skeptic and you know they think it's uh, a bubble or, yeah of or course something like that but
1: um, so who are the partners then? Who, who has funded it was it friends and family was it kind of angels or
2: so actually uh, we've been lucky enough that we made the decision when we came from the cannabis space uh together with two other partners that there was a an opportunity here in the, C- in the cbd space and we would not be able to capitalize on it if i also worked full-time on it right really we didn't know exactly what we were going to do okay so together with that group we kind of decided okay we're going to invest a bit of money in this Uh so for now it is pr- pretty much self-funded uh and i think will be f- for a bit longer as well mm-hmm. um, i mean if you can survive
1: (laughs) yeah of course
2: without taking other investment um it's a great situation to be in and we are quite lucky um i think you know by the end of the year also with our new expansion plans and stuff we will be looking for other capital all partners uh, is also you know maybe going together with someone else and have a bit stronger capital backing
1: and you talk about building a team who how many people now work for the drugstore so about 10 full-time
2: um and also now with the new shop it's going to be um, quite a f- few more there's going to be a few on full time and then uh, quite a few you no know, part time you know having a, f- f- a shop like that requires a bit of staff
3: yeah, yeah but uh, it's it's a big shift for us to a certain degree because obviously we started it as an e-commerce business mm-hmm. um, so it's relatively simple or at least we thought so in the beginning to scale uh, an online business um, there's certain Know, I mean not for us but limitations <laughs> yeah but I mean you know team-wise um, you can run it as a relatively tight ship with few people but then if we look at you know physical retail all of a sudden you need people to be in the stores right yeah. and then the team grows very very quickly and that's the stage that we're at now um, but yeah I mean scaling online is another challenge we ran into relatively early on simply because we realized that you know while it isn't a hot topic and people are excited about it we can't
1: advertise Hmm. You're not allowed to advertise.
2: No, that's a how do you (laughs) run an e-commerce business without digital marketing? That's a quite interesting challenge.
3: So legally speaking we I mean we are allowed to advertise and we could run two campaigns if we wanted to we could probably put ads on TV Um, but online it's mainly about you know companies like Google or Facebook and if they have a company policy um, wow, that forbids you from advertising on their mm. platforms then why it, is that because it's derived from a.
2: no i mean it's it i think for them primarily it's because there are different regulations in different jurisdictions yeah and for them to navigate that is pretty much impossible yeah, yeah. for them it's much easier to say just cross the whole board you know we don't we don't uh, allow for advertising in cbd space you know it is complicated uh, and and you, you can you can have a Facebook account, you can have an Instagram account, you can't just can't do paid social. Okay. Which I mean, if you can't run AdWords, which pretty much every other e-commerce business is about, it's complicated. But at least it's an even playing field uh, in terms of yeah. our competitors as well.
3: Right? Yeah, and I mean, it's kept us on our feet. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of been, been, uh, I guess, a curse and a blessing, because for us, you know, we started doing these pop-ups around London. As a marketing initiative, you know good. we said, okay, if if we want to announce that we, you know, are here and we're here to stay, um, and how do we build trust for an online business? You know, we show our faces, we create a physical space mm-hmm. that people can uh, come into. They, f- you know, they feel good in. They can look at products. They can try products. Um, and then we realized, wow, you know, these these pop up shops. That, and I know you've had um, appear here here, so you probably yeah. know the topic, but of course. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, for us it was you know the, a pop-up shop as a marketing initiative and then relatively quickly we knew well you know if these pop-ups can carry themselves as stores why don't we look at retail in a more traditional sense yeah. quite seriously um, mm-hmm. and especially in our in our industry where it's all about breaking down barriers and making people feel safe in w- their purchase decision um, and removing any sort of stigma a um, physical presence and and a, yeah a trustworthy team is is extremely powerful
1: Mm. and you speak about the laws there i mean it's a real minefield in every way isn't it not Mm. just in social advertising is there a chance that with a new government a a new prime minister which is about to happen Mm -hmm. they could decide right no more cbd and you guys would be completely out of business is that a danger i mean yes it is (laughs)
2: um and it is a minefield but again we look at it okay do you just want to sit back and wait until there's clarity or do you want to be progressive uh, and you know move on the opportunity that it is right now and then adjust like worst case scenario will probably be delayed for let's say six months to a year in terms of when they're figuring out regulation because it's going to be very very difficult to stop this cpt right now but they might be able to delay it and then you know we try to have as good contingency plans as we can And have obviously when you're signing a permanent contract for a shop, Mm. and if you can't sell CBD, what are you (laughs) gonna sell, right? Okay. Uh, So what's the plan B? What will you sell? I mean, we we do have a plan B, which is, you know, with the concept of the store, new store, and also our name, we think there is a space for kind of a space and K version of Holland Barrett, right? (laughs) Okay. Uh, You know, there is like super (laughs) high-end health and wellness products where you know talking a bit more millennial kind of up okay. market uh, segment so essentially we have actually uh, one of our interns uh, we've just told like every single time you hear about a new wellness trend write it down and find the five best brands within that category okay so essentially you know if something happens we could switch overnight and we have an, uh, a yeah. backup plan and I think you know as entrepreneurs you sometimes just you know aim for something and you just run and run and run and have very uh, mm. few kind of contingency plans in our space you know, most of the time we'll be able to adjust and I very much doubt that we'll yeah. be forced into this. But it's at least when you are you know, committing a lot of capital and time and PR, all kind of things, you kind of need a backup plan yeah. and, because we want to create a sustainable business.
1: So let's talk about the brands then. What, which brands do you sell and who, what, which products are the most popular? What's the best seller?
3: I mean, there's, there's a whole variety of products, and I think it's it's a a point we try to touch on as often as we can, because when the keyword, or the letters CBD fall, everyone thinks of CBD oil, which is I think the most common misconception in the space, because CBD itself is a molecule, right? And once it's extracted, it can essentially be included in any type of product. Um, But that said, the most popular products are still CBD oils, because it's what most people have heard about yeah. what they know and what do
1: people do with them they just is it a pipette, yeah. a dropper yeah, your it's tongue? a
2: tincture under the tongue yeah okay. um and it, yeah it is definitely our, our best seller i would say you know cosmetic products are definitely on the rise uh, and and we're selling more and more of that there's a quite big difference to what we're selling online and what we're selling in shop and we, uh, bricks and mortar um both with locations of the shops and also they, you know our average spent in shop is is higher than it is online yeah. um, so it's there's a difference there uh, and it's gonna be really interesting to see with this new shop uh, how that's gonna work out and and you know, which brands are gonna perform yeah. but you know we have some really really interesting uh, product categories and from the very get-go when Clemens and I started what was important to us was that you know we're not just gonna have you know standard oils and tinctures what we really look out for is products that have a bit more holistic approach, mm-hmm. whether you see CBD as an ingredient together with many other ingredients to target specific uh, usage, right? Okay. Um, and and spe- specific categories. Um, and we find some really interesting ones uh, and try to be the first ones to bring it to Europe. So many of the brands that we have actually, we're the only ones selling in Europe. Um, and we also do a little bit of distribution work, kind of ad hoc for mm-hmm. them, just to kind of create that partnership yeah. but yeah I mean we also for example as a different type of product category we are as a business we try to cover as wide of a business area in the CBD uh, market as possible so we actually did a joint venture with a big alcohol distribution company uh, and next month we will be launching together with them a the first alcohol free CBD beer Oh, cool! Yeah, so there are CBD beers on the market, but you know, alcohol-free beer is the biggest or most yeah, growing yeah. CBD market, you know, beer market of all. Um, and it's quite interesting to see, okay, could there be an kind of an alcohol substitute here? And also, we we see, especially among kind of the younger uh, consumer groups, that you know, a lot of people are you know moving a little bit away of uh, yeah, alcohol definitely. consumption. So. That's really an interesting market, uh, and we're super excited okay. about launching that as What's well. What's the
1: beer brand? Can you say who you're...
3: Yeah, it's called Hop and Hemp Brewing. Okay, so a brewery. That's, yeah, is, yeah. The, is the name of our brand. Um, but I think it, it comes back to an interesting aspect because when we first mm. started in the CBD space, you know, we were like, okay, what are we going to do? Um, we decided on starting the drugstore as a retailer because We wanted to showcase kind of the diversity of cbd products there are and there can be but at the same time you know we've always looked at how can we get involved with education how can we get involved with developing products and brands and then you know you build these huge dreams Mm -hmm. when you're in your first days and then at some point you realize okay we have to focus on one thing Um, and kind of left that plan behind and really focused on the drugstore i've been building that um, yeah over the past months and now Somehow, naturally, all these other aspects yeah. are kind of materializing, materializing on the side anyway and becoming yeah, an integral part of what we do.
1: Yeah. So how big is the market then in, in Europe or in the UK? I've heard some crazy numbers thrown out. What do you guys yeah. think? I mean, it's still relatively small. I mean, so let's
2: say last year in the UK it was estimated it was £40 million. Pounds. But again, I mean, it's super complicated to, to uh, estimate. I think this year we'll be looking at something that's significantly higher and the rest of Europe the issue is there's been a big kind of gray market uh, and a lot of the original CBD market was kind of related to the whole vape uh, wave we don't sell vapes for example because we try to move away from that so that's why it has been difficult to estimate there are some crazy numbers thrown out so like 2.2 billion dollars by 2020 only in the US and 22 billion dollars by 2022 <laughs> and you know it's difficult to say and, and and I think a lot of this is also a bit unrealistic uh, it's a significant spa market and will grow significantly uh, but you also have to be a bit realistic about yeah, it actually
3: yeah and to be realistic not just on on the size of the market but also the spaces that CBD will move into yeah. because well now you know we're speaking about food supplements and cosmetics, and maybe moving it to drinks a little bit um, you know there's the whole medical side to it, and then looking at it as a food additive or or whatever other options there might be, mm. um, there's so many question marks as to what the CBD market will be right I mean at the end of the day we're talking about an ingredient
1: yeah. and, and, and anyone can and anyone can use it, it, it yeah. in mm. any
3: one way or another um, so th- the size of that market, the prediction of a size of, of that course. market, is is very very tricky. And then, I think we tend to base European growth predictions on the U.S. and Canadian growth in the cannabis space a little bit too much. There's a different um, cannabis culture yeah, that's definitely. existed in North America that hasn't existed as openly here. There's a different level of acceptance. Um, so I think realistically it's a little slower yeah than you know those massive predictions
1: well we never know
3: but yeah. at the same time yeah i mean for us it's been it's been growing steadily and and, and you know we're happy yeah. with the way it's going and it, it just seems to be going faster and faster
1: and what about the big pharma companies the traditional guys the glaxo smith klein and pfizer do they do cbd products
2: no they don't at the moment they are definitely looking into it uh the the very difficult thing is it, how can do you protect it is something that's a basically a commodity uh, in in its raw form Um, so I think what most people are looking into and we have you know been in touch with several people uh, who are looking to you know start this kind of research into using CBD as well as some other technology it could either be in its um, application form so do you use a proprietary technology uh, Let's say if it's kind of transdermal unique transdermal technology as a patch or something mm-hmm. like that uh, or do you use it together with another t- kind of molecule to regulate its absorption or something like that um, that's primarily how it could happen you know anything like this takes a long time so gw pharmaceuticals which is a uk company they grow cannabis here in the uk Last year, they launched their first Mm -hmm. FDA-approved CBD product, basically, which is called Epidolex, and which is prescribed primarily for treatment-resistant epilepsy in children. Um, It's very, very costly because they've been through that 10-year testing cycle. uh, It's FDA-approved, and very few countries are actually willing to prescribe it. And at the same time, when you can go and buy something that's... uh, not as strong but it's the same product essentially in a food supplement that's also where we see well how is this regulated it's Mm. uh, it's it's we definitely think there should be more more regulation and we encourage more regulation also to get rid of some of the cowboys in the market but okay but to to answer your question with with the pharmaceutical companies i think they're looking at it but they are worried about how they can protect it yeah
1: Uh. and you say you at the us is far in advance of us what trends are happening over there that you think will jump over here in the next year or so.
3: I mean, I think there's certain trends that Will come over here certain trends that have come over here in the past and others that won't no. um, I think generally speaking we're seeing a lot of I Would say yeah more premium or al- almost craft brands mm. um, In the US that are now coming up in the space if it's you know small organic handmade productions or if it's um, very yeah interesting formulations. That's something we're seeing a lot. Um, but then there's kind of products and product categories that, you know, I mean, there's everything out there from CBD bath bombs to CBD candles where, where, you know, we often look at them and say, okay, how is this supposed to do anything? anything? You know, what, what is the point here? Um, so I think the, the alcohol substitution is one thing that, might be might be a bigger trend I think the premiumization to a certain extent of, of brands and the development away from kind of the generic CBD mm-hmm. oil in, in different strengths to slightly more complex formulations and products and and uh, yeah just more interesting yeah. brands
2: and, and definitely the application form I mean we see some really interesting ones and we are also getting in now like the, the latest one that we're getting in next week which is a female arousal loop uh, okay. CBD uh, <laughs> infused which is also you know it's, it, it, it's funny and it's a really cool brand from the US they're uh, uh, really really big and they also do THC products uh, but it's, it's interesting to see that movement that okay, you, okay people are actually using in very interesting ways
1: wow yeah of yeah. course so you're opening up your first permanent physical shop yeah. in July that's in Marlebone isn't it it is yeah, so it's and when you when you approach something like that what are the kind of reference points you use for the look and feel of it what's it going to be like yeah. when I'm inside it
2: it's it's quite interesting and and uh, we think that we have come up with a concept that's un- very unique um, so we've been working with a Danish designer um, who we you know we told him okay we're looking to open several shops over the next year mm. uh, we need a concept that we can copy that looks premium um but it's not doesn't cost a lot of money okay uh, wow. and then he thought he looked he thought to himself what what kind of shop is basically empty and then he was came he went back uh, he w- went away and then he came back after a week guys I have it
3: we're gonna build a gallery oh wow <laughs> and then we we're like what <laughs> um, but it, I mean yeah. it, it makes sense to a certain degree a playing on the fact that you know it used to be Damien Hirst's as well. I do okay. There's, cool. there's an interesting connection there. But at the same time, it allows us to have a store that is appealing and, and relatively simple at the same time. Um, there's a certain visual language that comes with, you know, large format geometry. Mm. But at the same time it allows us to play around with the concept of it. Mm. Usually, you know, when you see a store, say in fashion, you know, you might see it change four times with the seasons. With a gallery, you can play on the concept of changing exhibitions, et cetera. Okay, yeah, so yeah. we can redesign the store, yeah. um, introduce new brands, new concepts, yeah. and just have a very kind of I mean yeah, interactive and, and constantly when you changing, launch a new exciting space.
2: When you launch a new brand, then you do a g- gallery opening almost, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we can afford to do crazy things in a gallery that you wouldn't be able to do in a shop, right? So if we wanted to leave a 200 bo- empty bottles of champagne in front of the shop on a Sunday morning when people walk past and what happened here, okay. right? Okay. Like uh, yeah, yeah, just. Yeah as a gimmick or something like that which would never work in a shop but if we can kind of create that image that something really fun and something really cool is happening here so what he's actually doing is we're getting these old really really nice frames that in itself cost quite a lot of money that's one of our biggest spends actually (laughs) frames (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and um, getting really really nice prints so in itself maybe a print like that uh, with the frame would be maybe five six thousand pounds right and then just have a small uh, kind of brass shelf next to it with one product on so you have that two by three meter uh, huge print and then a tiny tiny product next to um, and then we're playing a little bit on kind of the H&M model where you know H&M they use the very best models in the world looks quite yeah. exclusive but then they have very very big prices so you have that kind of uh, contrast okay, so if fine. you have like a massive print that looks really expensive but then it says 24 99 on a, yeah, on a yeah, yeah. big vinyl on the wall then you have that kind of aspect okay. that because th- our biggest worry with this concept was actually that it would be too intimidating hmm. because how many people in the world actually walk into galleries
3: yeah, not too many right either. yeah and, and that's the challenge we face a lot right we we it's because of the price that cbd still has simply because the processes involved etc um are yeah rather to rather um, extensive Um, there's there's a certain barrier to entry and a certain hesitation to buy that product so a premium environment is expected by the current demographic that spends money on CBD at the same time it's becoming more and more of a mainstream product Mm -hmm. and that's always been our mission is to kind of make CBD available um, to everyone that that is interested in it Um, so it's about finding a balance that yeah, A is very inviting. that seems premium, but doesn't scare anyone off at the okay. same time. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And what is the average price point for? I
3: a mean, now our, our average spend in sh- in
2: shop is like seventy five pounds. Um, online, it's a bit lower, like fifty five pounds. Okay. Um, you know, right. we ha- our, on average, I would say, most products range from yeah, twenty nine ninety nine to two hundred pounds. Okay, so that's kind of the range. Wow. That we have. Yeah.
3: yeah, I mean, it's a wide range, and I think most people will start on the lower end and then kind of yeah. somewhere between through. 30, 30 and 50 yeah, pounds. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, it really comes down to
1: personal preference and, and yeah. Good. Well, I look forward to the launch party then. You've Definitely. The gallery slash shop. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'll so help you with some of the um, those empty champagne bottles. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before you go, I want to ask you um, some of the more personal questions to get to know yeah. Johan and Clemens as men as much as businessmen, mm-hmm. I should say. So who in the world of business do you each most admire we will go around? Johan, do you want to kick us off?
2: Um, I mean, as, a, as growing up, it was always Steve Jobs. Uh, I was <laughs> kind of a, a nerd and I loved Apple products. So <laughs> Quite every, right, yeah. I, would, I would always watch all the keynote speeches. And I think the whole kind of aura around everything he did was amazing and fascinated me from a very young age so I think still today I mean obviously he's not alive anymore but Mm. he's a guy that really inspired me like the amount of detail that he would go into with every single thing so like he cared as much about how the computer looked on the inside as the outside I think you know working in retail having some having that passion for example is something that we can learn a lot from
1: yeah and do you own a black neck.
2: I I do, uh, I don't (laughs) tend to wear it that much, but uh, maybe just at home when I want to feel like Steve Jobs. (laughs) Some nice (laughs) dad jeans,
1: okay, cool. Uh, What about you, Clemens?
3: Um, I mean, I've never really had kind of that that one business guru. Um, I think kind of a big aha moment for me was um, I briefly worked for Red Bull, and kind of on my first day there, I I was handed the media report for their Stratos, so the the space jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah and um i mean the company and i think dd is behind it um when i saw you know b- behind an amazing massive brand you know that's, that's kind of pioneered sponsorship to a certain degree um there are so many more layers mm. and and smart little tricks from you know the, the way that they make money to a certain degree um from things like you know okay it's broadcasted everywhere on tv but what is the soundtrack to the free fall Oh, it's a band that's signed to Red Bull Records. Oh, okay, Guess what nice. record is platinum the next day? You know, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I realized, you know, okay, there's more than building a great brand. If you want to build a great business, you've got to be smart about the way you make money. Yeah. And that was kind of an interesting moment for me that Ooh, I remember yeah, that's to amazing.
1: this day. Rory Sutherland, do you know Rory Sutherland? He's kind of a business inky, of mm, course. Yeah. He, I think he sa- has a line about how Red Bull's the world's favorite soft drink and everybody hates it. Mm, oh, it, yeah. it. And it's incredible. It's amazing. Um, although I think they just stole the brand and they are for Thai brand or something. They didn't yeah.
3: steal it, they essentially bought into it.
1: Fine. Okay, yeah. quite right. That's a much better way to put it. Um, <laughs> what do you think you'd both be doing if you weren't running the drugstore?
3: It's interesting. I think if I weren't running the drugstore today, I would be or I would go into something else in the cannabis industry but okay. if, if i had never gotten into this industry i would probably be doing something with food yeah fun
2: i mean i came i come from a relatively entrepreneurial family and i think from a very young, young age i knew that i wanted to do something of my own um so i think in some form or another i would probably have found like at least some kind of business venture i could throw myself into um i think there are many interesting spaces at the moment I regret that i studied business because i have a bit more i love science uh, yeah, and i can if tell I, at the start you <laughs> if, <laughs> I could, uh, if i could if i them. could have jumped into that and have been a bit more in touch with that so that's why i also love c- uh, cannabis base but you know if i could work with that close on a closer basis every mm. day i think that would be a qu- quite a lot of fun okay
1: good well there's still time yeah um, what's your worst habits do you think what are you what are you ashamed of I think it's quite interesting because uh, I think that's
2: why we work quite well together. Because I tend to overthink quite a lot, okay. uh, and uh, I'm very explicit about everything that I feel and everything that I think all the time. So I share all
3: the time. Okay, while yeah, I mean I'm <laughs> I'm quite the opposite. I or Johan tends to get irritated that I don't speak as much and I don't share my thoughts all the time. <laughs> okay, I'm um, yeah relatively quiet at times because I I don't know have developed this habit of trying to listen and think through every option before I say anything. Um, Which can be good in in some scenarios and can be off-putting in others. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've been kind of working on a more active uh, Okay, um, right. (laughs) Well, you wouldn't have thought
1: that. I think it's been about 50-50 in the speaking. Who's the most impulsive? Who's the one that you have to kind of rein in? I I would say Johan. Yeah, Yeah, probably. And you're the one who wants to go, go, go and things and you're... Yeah, 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 I
3: think it's... It's it's kind of like Johan will... Shear this, steer the ship out into the open ocean. I just have to make sure it doesn't sink. Okay, <laughs> <Go on. laughs> yeah, Slow down, slow down. Yeah, <laughs>
1: fine. Um, what are you guys most proud of so far with the drugstore? I would
3: definitely say, kind of, the team that we've managed to put together. We've, we've managed to find or find incredible people and convince them somehow to work with us. Okay. Um, and yeah, the energy that we have within the team and developed, you know, within this short period i think also kind of having been friends before we started staying mm. friends yeah. while running yeah business. not easy yeah it doesn't no. happen often
1: no yeah, I, it's, exactly. it's
3: really about the people
1: okay yeah,
2: i funny. completely agree i mean it's amazing every day to walk into the office and also feel that everybody's happy and you know everybody feels like they own their part on what what they are actually spending their time on and um, and obviously sometimes it, it's super tough and uh it, you have tough days, um, and that's why it's so important that you just have a team that works hard and are amazing and have fun, because at the end of the day, you know, a business like this I mean, it could go sideways tomorrow, so <laughs> the most important thing is that you really have fun on the journey. Okay, good. And, and I really hope that, and I think so, that everybody we work with, they, they think feel the same.
1: Yeah, I hope so. What, 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 on the other hand, has been your biggest failure, the thing that's gone wrong? Are there any major stumbling blocks?
3: I don't, I don't think so. I mean, we we try. I mean, obviously <laughs> there's there's mistakes and there's learnings, but we okay. try not to dwell on anything. That, I mean, of course there's um, spending we could have avoided here or there, um, or yeah, or minor minor things like that. But I think I mean, we've been relatively failure free, and I hope we mm. stay that way. Yeah. Um, I so mean, as a startup, obviously it's it's a roller coaster
2: and <laughs> they're ups and downs and like Malcolm Gladwell said in his book, like you have to spend your 10,000 hours to learn mm. something, right? And <laughs> if you spend 10,000 hours on anything, you will fail quite a lot as well. Yeah, uh, And so, I mean, I think we take it as a, as a learning every single time that we do something wrong. And obviously, you do make a lot of mistakes, so we don't judge anyone for doing it because that's the only way that we can
1: grow yeah, as a company. Absolutely. Are there any kind of... Um phrases or conventions you you're really tired of in the world of entrepreneurship uh, yeah. i told you so i told you so i told yeah. you so. It's, I mean it,
3: to me it's just the least productive thing anyone could say
1: yeah, yeah. and, it's
3: and <laughs> it's, it inhibits our innovation so much i mean if if you can't if
2: you if i uh, was feeling scared that i wouldn't take a risk because somebody could say i told you so yeah. uh, that would be the worst thing for the company because we need to take risk and we need to be super innovative and if somebody can just say, well, I don't think so, and then lean back, and then when it fails, which it probably will, because <laughs> you make a lot of mistakes, yeah. that they can just say, I told you so. Have like like people said that to you before? Many times. Uh, I mean, throughout life, right?
3: Yeah, and probably, you know, it, it will happen again, but it, it's just those moments where it's like, you, you, it's probably a scenario where you personally aren't feeling the best about what has yeah, happened, <laughs>
1: and then someone's just like yeah.
3: putting you down even more.
1: But they so. didn't take the risk, did they? So in the end of the day, you, you'll probably be the successful one. Unless you keep getting it wrong all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, at which point, yeah. Maybe listen to the people that told you that. Um, <laughs> so what's your biggest fear? What's the worry with um, this company, or maybe even just in life? What do you? What, what keeps you up at night? I
3: think worrying. There's not too many worries with this company. I think we try to stay positive about mm. everything. But generally in life, I would say feeling useless or not being able to contribute anything positive. I think that because for me, it's always about you know. Working on something, making progress, Mm. and if for some reason one were to feel pointless, that's not a nice place to Mm. be. It's a good answer.
2: I think, yeah, I mean, not feeling hungry anymore Uh, in terms of no, one wanting to develop uh, as a person. I think one of the most exciting things in my life is like meeting new people, learning new things, and if at some point feel like, yeah, I can just lean back, I have the friends that I need, I have the connections I need. I think that's a, a scary moment because mm. I want to develop and I want to be able to continue to develop throughout my
1: life. Yeah. And do you guys have party tricks? Like <laughs> it, This is, this question yeah. really polarizes. It's, yeah, some people don't know what a party trick is, I think, by some no. of their answers. No. I
3: mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it counts as a party trick and I don't think it is a party trick, but I think we've... <laughs> it's, it's strange and it's weird that this is a podcast and there's no camera, but we... I mean, when we both came in, you said we're taller than you expected us to be. We're both relatively tall, but we're also both freakishly flexible. Okay, wow. So we have been spotted, you know, at parties having our feet behind our head and really? it's, it's very strange. I'm sure and, it does. Yeah, spelled, uh, Especially
2: if you're a little bit tipsy as well. Okay yeah. fine. Yeah. Might be a risk of falling at the same time. Yeah.
3: So I mean <laughs> I don't know if it counts as a trick but it's. I think that's a hell of a trick. <laughs> we should do
1: that at the launch party. Yeah definitely. Maybe, maybe fine.
3: If, yeah, if you come and come and visit us. At the okay launch yeah party, then well we will well we'll make do sure to film sure that one. Fantastic. How tall are you then?
1: You're both. Yeah. I'm, I'm like 6'4". So
3: you're like Six, like three, you're bad
2: ten? with feet. Yeah, yeah. Fine. Above just,
1: yeah just tall. <laughs> yeah. Tall people don't tend to know. No. It's the short people. I'm five <laughs> yeah. foot ten and a half. Yeah, exactly. Ten and three quarters and a point two or something. I don't know. I'm, I am I. think I'm average. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for not saying anything. Um. Uh, what's your most treasured physical possessions?
2: Um, actually, it's something that I, I just obtained, I think. Uh, so I met this artist uh, who. I think I have a lot in common with. You. He's also Danish, uh, and uh, you know, moved out at a relatively young age, uh, went away from Denmark, and now lives in LA. And he takes some amazing pictures. And I saw this particular picture, and I felt like it signifies. It's this time of my life right now where you know you're trying to figure out who you are and who you want to be as a person, uh, while you are looking at all these kind of goals and and aims that you have for your life and one thing is i think it can be kind of a life lesson for me right now to keep remember okay you need need to be happy in the moment Mm -hmm. while also being hungry for what can come um but and at the other time on the other side i also think you know it's something that's aesthetically quite funny so it it, weirdly enough it's something that i only got got like a week ago but uh, (laughs) it's now your favorite
1: possession it it is (laughs) okay good what about you
3: I think it's it's always about, I mean, similar to Johann's, it's about a story that you attach to an object much more than the value of the object <laughs> itself. Um, and I mean, I have a few items that, that have, or that connect me to certain people, but I would say, for this case, I'll say a pair of shoes. Okay, um, are you wearing them today? I, I am wearing them today. a ah, the pair so, of monks. <clears throat> I was given these shoes um, probably 10 years ago now. Uh, my father bought these shoes for me, and. Showed me, okay, look at the shoes. Guess what? I'm wearing the same ones, and I've been wearing them for 50 years. Oh, wow. So th- here's the challenge. And um, yeah, I mean, they've been going strong for 10 years. I just okay. have like 40, 40
1: more. 40 <laughs> go. How many times have you had them resold? Not once. Not once. Not once. But I probably should soon, yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. They're looking good, Nick. They look new. <laughs> so well done. Um, is there a book that you guys have Im- been influenced by?
2: As I said before, I, I think I have this little bit of a nerdy or geeky gene to me so anything that's a little bit science and factual Mm. I I like quite a lot I must admit I buy a lot of books and probably read like 25% of them even though I think that they're interesting (laughs) Uh, the only few books that have I've managed to kind of read through uh, are more science focused, or a lot of books by Malcolm Gladwell I think again it's something where you know you can just feel like he's done his research in detail with every single thing and you get some fun facts from those books that i quite like you know mm. you get some good stories from it um so i think for me they they've
3: meant a lot um but again i'm not like the biggest reader in the okay, world to be honest fine. i'm the complete opposite i think for me the book i don't know if it's it's the one that has influenced the most but the one i've recommended most is the alchemist yeah. um, so i guess more spiritual than scientific <laughs> i
1: think someone else <laughs> said the alchemist last year it's interesting things yeah. come back around <laughs> um and finally is there a drugstore motto that you live by or even just two personal mottos <coughs> that you've amalgamated like okay? th- it's yeah.
2: it's quite funny i think for for the drugstore it started off as a joke because i tend to do it all the time uh so you know the kind of joke with would you rather so would you rather walk backwards for the rest of your life okay. and have uh, no hands or something like that <laughs> so I sit all the time thinking about these, I don't know why, in the office while I'm doing other work. Okay, well give and us it. one now then, surely. Yeah, I mean it could be something like that. Would you rather walk backwards for the mm-hmm. rest of your life uh, or um, have
1: feet instead of hands? Okay, right. For example. Yeah. Um, I think walk backwards, surely. Yeah, yeah But yeah, then, I mean, hands.
3: I think to a certain yeah. extent this would you rather story has, <laughs> has moved possibly way too far into a ba- daily business decision. It's like, <laughs> oh, would you rather uh, open or, or launch a new website or a new store and then... <laughs> okay, fine. Let's, let's do the store, yeah. Fine. But That's I think when we, when we have new hires, they
2: quite get uh, a little bit confused because it's one of the first things that meet them in the office because I always tend to gravitate these questions towards some of the new people just trying <laughs> to figure out what their opinions of certain things are. And some of them might be a little bit polarizing, I guess, uh, which is quite funny and then it's just yeah as clemens said we, i think we sometimes think about it in business decisions. like like it's quite co- nice to have something is it black or white is a 50 50 like just to really put it up against each other um so i guess that's kind of a motto
1: okay good <laughs> would you rather yeah. well thanks very much gentlemen it's lovely to have you here and clemens and good luck with everything
3: thank you very uh, thank much you we're happy to, to see be here. you at the launch party
1: i will yeah of course <laughs>
0: Well, if you enjoyed this episode of The Gentleman's Journal podcast, you may well like The Gentleman's Journal magazine, the world's finest quarterly dispatch from the front line of luxury, entrepreneurship and style. In fact, as you may have heard earlier, podcast listeners now get 20% off our annual subscription. Just enter the code POD20, that's pod two zero at www.thegentleman'sjournal.com club. That's POD20 at thegentleman'sjournal.com slash club. And if you really like this episode... Why not rate us five stars on the iTunes store or, of course, wherever you happen to get your podcasts? I think that'd be a lovely idea. Anyway, I'll leave you alone now. Bye-bye.